How many people are on this special fight team? Three, including you. Three? Against what? I'll tell you on the plane. Plane? What are your superpowers again? I'm rich. Oh, shit. Can you believe we're opening with that? Hey, welcome, Popheads. This is issue 109 of the TomCast Popcast, coming to you once again from the confines of the Tom Cave, where it's safe and I'm surrounded by comic books and beer, which is all I need to help survive a pandemic in 2020. Thank you so much for listening to this quality independent podcast. Please follow us on social media at TomCast Popcast on Twitter and at TomCast Popcast on Instagram. You can email the show, TomCastPopcast at gmail.com. And finally, you can sign up and become an official member of Pophead Nation by heading over to patreon.com forward slash TomCastPopCast, where you can get access to all kinds of super cool bonus content, video features, and audio commentary tracks, and all kinds of special good things. Uh, because that's my way of thanking you for helping keep the lights on here in the Tom Cave. Thank you to my current Patreons. Thank you to the Aspen Hill Chody, the Batman at Bay Park, Jeff Nail. Jeff is the co-host on The Ringing Ear, a fantastic music podcast that I recommend very highly. Thank you to Evil Circle, the evilest of all circles. Thank you to Squid Master General Brian Broussard and the New Jersey Devil Mark Wegemer. Thank you all so much for being Patreons, and I hope you are enjoying the bonus content you've gotten so far this month. So uh, we are here. Oh, you know what? Hold on. One more thing. Uh, finally, please make sure you are like to the show, subscribing the show, you're sharing the show with all your friends, and if you have the time, write us those sweet five-star reviews. We are available on all the major podcast formats out there. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, all of them. All of them. And if there's one we're not on and you want us to be on it, let me know and we'll make it happen, okay? So, uh, we have a bit of a strange, news-centric show for you. We, we, you know, it's my fault that it's going to be a solo show. It's on me. Kind of was a last-minute decision. Some last-minute news came out, and I was like, you know what? We got to talk about this. We kind of got to get this out there. Uh, so it's just going to be me, and, and we're going we're gonna to go through some stuff relatively quickly because uh, there's other stuff we got to talk about too. Like, there's a lot going on right now. I opened the show with a line from the infamous Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon? Joss. <laughs> How silent is that, Jay Joss? I don't know. Uh, it's from the Whedon version of the Justice League film, which is pretty much been, you know, pretty, it's pretty not good. It is pretty not good. Uh, so the question is, will that scene be in the Snyder Cut? We're going to put a pin in that question for now, uh, because we're going to talk more about the Snyder Cut a little later in today's show. Uh, and like I said, we're just going to dive right into the, into some new stuff because there's a lot to get to, a lot of small stuff, but a lot of big things to talk about too and I think the I think we'll start with one of the big things right now just announced last night Sony uh, is reportedly signed a deal with Olivia Wilde to direct a secret Spider-Man centric project the word is it will be Spider-Woman so we have Olivia Wilde attached to direct a potentially a Spider-Woman feature film and her co-writing partner from Booksmart there it is, sorry, Katie Silverman, 
again, they wrote they co-wrote Booksmart together, which if you don't if you haven't seen the movie yet, it's pretty darn funny. And they're going to co-write this potential Spider-Woman feature film, and Amy Pascal is on board to produce the film. So, a lot of movies have been in development with Sony because Sony has the Spider-Man rights and that inc- incorporates the inst- in the entire Spider-Man universe, such as Venom as we saw, such as Morbius which we will potentially see somewhere down the road. Uh, and and Sony is uh, they're gonna they're gonna keep cranking out Spider-Man related material uh, and until the cows come home because uh, they're they're gonna hang on to that Spider-Man licensing rights uh, for for all of their lives for dear life because they don't want Marvel to get that back 100%. I think they you know there was that whole kerfuffle earlier in the year late last year earlier this year I can't remember exactly when it was you know where where. It looked like Spider-Man was done in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but eventually cooler heads prevailed. A deal was struck, uh, and I think it makes both Marvel's Marvel slash Disney's and Sony's pockets uh, a bit fuller to have that kind of shared existence. Uh, but in the meantime, Sony's gonna start cranking out their own stuff. They're gonna keep doing that. Like I said, they're gonna, they, you know, Venom Two is on the way. The Morbius movie's done. It's in the can. We're just kind of waiting, uh, waiting for a release date, waiting for being able to go back to the movie theaters, or. Uh, if they release it on, on video on demand, who knows? Uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of the big news, like a Spider Woman movie in development. Uh, a lot of iterations of Spider Man, or excuse me, of Spider Woman in the comic books. Uh, presumably, this would be a Jessica Drew based Spider Woman series, which could lead to a a, a super spy story with, with spider powers, something maybe in the blame, in, in the vein of Black Widow, almost. Who knows for sure? Uh, but this could easily turn into a, a Spider Gwen project as well. You know, there's no details. Sony hasn't confirmed anything. And so far, the, the, the quotes in the articles are all, you know, secret project. So we don't know a ton. <laughs> there's not a lot to go on. But maybe the next week or two, uh, before Roger and I get back together again or or whatnot, maybe we'll have a little bit more details. But exciting to know that more Spider-centric properties are in the cards. And it looks like it will be a live-action feature, which is good to hear. And, I mean, not that there's anything wrong with more animated stuff, but live-action is always a lot of fun. So good on them, good on Sony, uh, and congratulations to Olivia Wilde and, uh, and, and Silberman for, uh, Katie Silberman, excuse me, for uh, getting, this, getting this rad gig. I think that's really, really cool. So some smaller news to get to, and this is, this is news, uh, I, I, I point this news directly at Roger's face, because Roger is my man, my main man for The Matrix. And uh, it, it's come out over the, over, this, over the last day or two that one of the, one of the key faces of the original Matrix trilogy will not be back in the Matrix 4, which is currently filming overseas as we speak. And that is that is Lawrence Fishburne. He will not be back to reprise his role uh, in, in, in that series. And uh, I love me some Lawrence Fishburne, so that's a bit of a bummer, right? I don't know, how do you guys feel about, about not seeing Lawrence back in the Matrix? I wonder if they'll even, even, I wonder if it'd be, even be something that they addressed. I'd have no idea. Anyways, hey, do you guys like Guillermo del Toro? I like Guillermo del Toro. So it's been confirmed he's uh, he's doing what he calls his dream project of Pinocchio at Netflix, and it's going to be stop motion. So it's going to be it's going to have a very distinct look. I think Guillermo's going to be able to do a lot of his uh, wonderful atmospheric work on this project, and they just added a ton of voice work to it. Ewan McGregor, Tilda Swinton, and Kate Blanchett all signed on for the Pinocchio Project at Netflix. 
So the, the the let me give you a little bit more of the background too on the on the on this Del Toro Pinocchio. Uh, it's going to be a musical, so get ready. It's inspired by the original fairy tale, but it's going to be set in a Mussolini era Italy, which is very very interesting. Hugh McGregor's playing the cricket, aka Jimmy Cricket, in the Disney version. You have David Bradley as Geppetto. You may know David Bradley best from Game of Thrones. He played Walter Frey, but uh, he's also done some wonderful work in, in various things. One of my favorite things he did recently was uh, was a, uh, a sort of how Doctor Who kind of came to be, where he played the actor who plays the first Doctor Who, and I thought he did a wonderful job. But David Bradley's one of those wonderful character actors you see in just about everything, uh, particularly if it's if it's uh, an English or a British production. Uh, David Bradley seems to pop up in, in many of those things because he's just a wonderful character actor. So he will be on as Geppetto. Gregory Mann is going to be Pinocchio. He's a newcomer. We don't have any credits for him. Though apparently he was in Cats. But does, does, that, does Cats count if no one sees it? I, I, that's a good... I'm, that's, I'm asking. I'm asking. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I can't talk right now. I Jesus. my boy, I started the recording and my voice dried up on me completely. I do have a beer, so I'm going to wet my whistle in the middle of the story. I apologize. That is not very professional podcasting. Woo! But we have a new beer today on the show. It's, this is a collaboration between Stone and Modern Times, both San Diego-based breweries, and this is their Wizards and Gargoyles, a hazy coffee IPA. Uh, it is... They basically describe it as an IPA, an India Pale Ale brewed with coffee. It comes in at 7%. And one of the reasons why this, this beer is super cool and fits into the show, which, give me one second, because I am going to wet that whistle Ooh, that is both coffee and IPA. That is very intriguing. Uh, but one of the reasons why this beer is kind of cool, especially in the vein of the TomCast podcast, is the, the can art on here. It's very retro, 80s, 8-bit video game iconography on here. Wizards and Gargoyles, they're kind of going for a Ghosts and Goblins vibe on here. And that's a very cool video game. I remember that back in the day. But also... The castle on the can, again, in 8-bit artwork, very evocative of Castlevania. Castlevania. So, pretty cool stuff. And, uh, listen, I'm not going to lie, this maybe wasn't the best beer choice for uh, uh, somebody whose throat dried up on them, because you can't just chug a hazy coffee IPA and, and, and feel the, the cool refreshment t- trickling down your throat. That's not how this, this thing's going to work. Uh, but a lovely beer, and it has... Uh, moistened the the vocal airwaves that I need to to finish reading or discussing the Pinocchio story with you. So let me get back to where I was with the Pinocchio story. Uh, the other actors involved in this production of Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, we don't know what roles they're in, but we do have, again, like I said at the beginning, Tilda Swinton, we also have Christoph Waltz, Finn Wolfhard, Kate Blanchett, John Turturro, the amazing Ron Perlman, who's basically in every... Guillermo del Toro movie in some capacity. Tim Blake Nelson, who's hot off off the Watchmen TV series on HBO. And Byrne Gorman, who, uh, again, another British character actor who, maybe the name doesn't ring a bell, but uh, you've seen him in everything. Uh, and probably most notably for this audience, you might remember him from The Dark Knight Rises as, as one of uh, uh, the goons. <laughs> one of the fancy goons, all suited up. One of, like, one of those aristocratic banker goons. Maybe not aristocratic, but white-collar banker goons uh, working for uh, Director Krennic in that movie. I know I'm mixing up my movies, but I'm doing it on purpose. It's okay. 
So it's this is a very exciting project. Uh, you know, anything Del Toro is involved in has a, a wonderful air of creativity to it and, and a, a certainly unique vision. Uh, so I love the idea of, of him doing a version of Pinocchio, and I think it's very cool that they're doing it in a stop-motion fashion. Uh, I think that really lends itself uh, to the source material in, in a lot of fun ways. So we don't have a release date. We don't have anything other than uh, basically a, a black-and-white photo of Guillermo del Toro holding Pinocchio in his hands. Um, <laughs> So not a lot to go on, but we, a fascinating voice cast has, has been announced for the project. And, you know, it's stop motion. I assume it's, that means it's going to be a very labor-intensive project. So uh, we'll keep you guys posted because anything Guillermo is involved in is something that we're interested in here on the TomCast podcast. And since we're talking about Netflix, we should mention that it has also come out that season four of the Netflix-defining show, Stranger Things, will not be the series' final season. Uh, apparently, during during this uh, pandemic period, where filming on season four had to come to an abrupt halt, uh, due you know due to COVID nineteen, um, plans are now in place for for another season of the show at least at least one more season of the show. So that's good news. Uh, no news on when filming will, will resume on Stranger Things season four. I mean, we we had gotten a brief teaser for for things to come in season four, but the show's not completed yet. So what does that mean? No one really knows. Uh, you know, Stranger Things is always a show kind of clouded in secrecy and wrapped in that veil of mystery, and that's a good thing. That's why we like our Stranger Things. So I, I would imagine that the writers have had time to write more. So maybe they're tweaking the story, maybe they're fine-tuning things. But yeah, the, the rest of the series is not filmed. It is unfinished, so they have to get back to set at some point. And that'll be interesting to see how they address it, because uh, those kids, you know, uh, when you're that age, you, you, you know, you, you change a lot, you grow a lot. You know, and it'll be interesting to see how that's handled, how that's addressed, or if that's, you know, if that's going to be an issue at all. Very curious to see how that shakes out. And since we're talking about Stranger Things, and, uh, you know, Eleven herself, Millie Bobby Brown, Millie Bobby Brown, I just like saying that really, really fast. She has a new project coming out also on the Netflix next month, but the reason why it's, it's why we're talking about this particular project is not because of what it is, but who is in it with her, her co-star. In this film, the the man who this this podcast's heart beats the strongest for, Henry Cavill, is in this movie with Millie Bobby Brown. Yes, that's right. I'm talking about the Enola Holmes movie, where Henry Cavill himself, Superman, The Witcher, will be playing Sherlock fucking Holmes. That's right. It's 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 perfect. I love it. I can't help it. I love the idea of Henry Cavill um, as Sherlock Holmes, the master detective himself. So he goes from being Superman to a character who is very much part of the inspiration of the makeup of Batman, Sherlock Holmes. Really, really cool. Uh, I'm excited. I'm, I am a fan of Sherlock Holmes material. All the different various inter- in- incarnations of Sherlock Holmes over the years always have something interesting to bring to the mythology of the character. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. Obviously, it's going to be... A, more of a younger riff on the character with uh, with uh, Millie Bobby Brown's Enola being the central character. Obviously, we're skewing a bit younger here. But you get the whole... Cl- the, you know, you have Sherlock, Mycroft's going to be in the film. Uh, who's playing Mycroft? Henry Henry Kaplan, I think. Cal- Calfin? I know I'm saying his name wrong. It's one of those last names I just have a hard time with. I apologize. But this is coming out in September. More content for us to watch during the pandemic, when everything's shut down, 
Because that's what we need. We need the content. We can't get enough of the content. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, the movie's also going to be starring uh, Helena Bottom Carter, who is playing Nola's mother. Enola's mother, excuse me. Uh, this is coming out September 23rd. I hope you guys are excited about this project as I am. Because, you know, we haven't gotten into Sherlock Holmes very much on the TomCast podcast because, I don't know, it doesn't really fall into a lot, a lot of our... Um, Sherlock's definitely part of pop culture. I can't argue with that. But he's not quite as nerdy as, as we get on this podcast. But maybe we'll have to change that and have a special Sherlock Holmes episode at some point. And we'll track down some uh, some Sherlock super fans to come on the show and, and, and chat with us about Sherlock Holmes over the years. Because, again, there are so many incarnations of that character. Uh, it would be a fascinating fascinating show, fascinating conversation, at the very least. Especially for if you are into Sherlock Holmes. If... if you're not into Sherlock, I'm pretty sure that episode will not convince you to become a Sherlock Holmes fan because it would just be uh, super fans nerding out over Sherlock <laughs> and how cool of a character he is. Interesting stuff. Also on the casting front, let's kind of shift gears a little bit. Uh, you know, Supernatural has been a show that, it, that has been running on the CW for, uh, I think, uh, 2,700 years, uh, and uh, it will never go away, even though it's trying to go away. They, the, pandemic st- the pandemic arose from Supernatural fans who didn't want the show to ever end. And they got their wish, because it hasn't ended yet. The final seven episodes of Supernatural have not aired, despite it being its final season before everything went to hell in a handbasket in the world. But those seven episodes are now scheduled. They will be debuting, uh, I think it's late September, early October. So the end is nigh for the Winchester Boys. Uh, This is a show that I was a big fan of for a long time. Uh, but eventually I reached my saturation point. And, you know, it was never that I stopped liking the show, per se. It was more to do with the fact that I just couldn't handle it anymore. <laughs> and I know that sounds bad, but what are you going to do? Sometimes you just you just get to that point where, like, this has been a, this show's a little long in the tooth. And it, they are pulling a lot of the same tricks. But that is not to say that I didn't have not liked those characters for a very, very long time, and I don't. I, I hope the show ends on a really strong note for them. Uh, incidentally, uh, met a couple members of the cast at Comic Con one year, and they were very, very nice fellows. Probably all that time you spend up in Canada makes you real, real even keeled and mellow. But what is interesting about Supernatural news right now is that Jensen Ackles, Dean Winchester himself, will be joining the boys in season three. Season two hasn't even aired yet, and we're getting big time casting news for the boys now. Roger and I talked about it when the last trailer, the final trailer for season two aired, uh, or dropped, aired. What are, we, what are we talking about? What world do I think we live in airing? No, no, no. The trailer dropped, and we talked about it because we were, we were really excited. We loved The Boys season one. We're really excited for The Boys season two. And now it's out. Jensen Ackles will be playing the role of Soldier Boy, one of the first public superheroes, uh, kind of a... St- Kind of a Steve Rogers, Captain America kind of parody sort of thing. And uh, uh, Soldier Boy is a bit of a legacy character in the comic books, but we don't know we don't know exactly what version or iteration of Soldier Boy Jensen Axles is going to play in the boys. A modern version, or is it be, be a flashback version to a kind of pre-The Seven superhero team, as is uh, sort of the character's lineage in the comic books? Uh, we don't really know that for sure just yet. It's going to be interesting to see, but uh, Jensen Ackles is a character, or is an actor I've enjoyed uh, since he was on Smallville 
like I think that was like season three or season four of Smallville, and then he gets supernatural. And he's, he hasn't been on my. He's been in on on TVs ever since. We can't get rid of the guy, but he seems like a nice enough fella. He's the one. He's one of the guys I didn't meet, and from the supernatural cast, but. <laughs> he seems like a nice guy, Texas boy. I think he and his family now own a brewery in Texas. So hopefully, obviously with the pandemic going on, who knows how that's going. But uh, anybody who's into beer and into sci-fi supernatural stuff in comic books, you're A-OK on this podcast. So we live in a world where people are, are being called out for bad behavior and for being bad, awful people and, and setting things backwards, trying to trying to do awful, horrific things against uh, people of, of multiple races and cultures and genders and ethnicities. This kind of all started with the Me Too movement, and, and it, it's been growing in our culture uh, ever since, and it's it's been a good thing, a force for change. So when when someone's exposed as a fucking turd asshole, uh, uh, they're they're done. They're done. Get out of here. We don't need you around if you're gonna if you're gonna set things back, you know, fifty another fifty years and be an asshole to people. Fuck you. I'm totally on board with that. I, now, hold on, real quick. I'm not 100%, I'm not on board with cancel culture. That's a little different, that's a little extreme for me. But, assholes shouldn't have jobs where they have a chance to continue to be assholes. So, it's come out that Zack Snyder, for his new zombie movie, Army of the Dead, he's replacing confirmed asshole Chris D'Elia with Tig Notaro. So they're doing reshoots where they're going to take out basically all of Chris D'Elia and insert Tig Notaro into those scenes. Because, uh, again, if you're not 100% familiar, Chris, uh, Chris D'Elia is, is accused very many times over at this point of sexual misconduct, and that's just putting it you know, lightly from, from the stories that I've heard. Uh, and and Tegan Nataro is a, is a uh, comedian-slash-actor who I think has been doing uh, some really fun, interesting work because uh, she pops up on Star Trek Discovery and she's uh, doing all kinds of neat things. And I, and I enjoy watching her on screen. So I think this is an interesting uh, change from D'Elia to Tignataro. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm mostly just curious to see Snyder do another zombie movie. I'm really excited. His, uh, his version of Dawn of the Dead, I think, is awesome. You know, he, now granted, that's if maybe you have problems with running zombies. I'm not a huge fan on running zombies. But for that particular movie, it, it added something to the, the, the mystique of the zombie that we hadn't seen before, which is a lot of, a lot of which was interesting and, and kind of made it its own thing for sure. So Army of the Dead's also going to be starring Dave Bautista, Ella Purnell, and now Tignataro, excuse me. Okay, Army, Army of the Dead was filmed pre-pandemic, and so the Nataro, I'm sorry, the Tignataro footage will be able to be added in, in during the post-production. We don't know when, because there's no premiere date with Netflix lined up just yet. And that's right. Yes, it will be on Netflix. So, very excited to see a new zombie film from Zack Snyder. And it's going to be on Netflix. Again, another place where we can watch movies and, and be safe. We don't have to worry about going to the movie theaters and sitting next to a some freaking ridiculous mouth breather. Eli Manning or something sitting next to the movie theater. Don't No thanks. Get out of here. We don't need you. All right, next up, this is a little nugget that I just found personally fascinating because there, there is, is a lot of, of pop culture history that makes up my internal DNA. And, you know, we've, we've mentioned a little bit some of, the, some of the films of Sam Raimi as being woven into my pop culture DNA. 
and 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 that and that pop culture DNA is very much why this podcast exists and why I think uh, uh, the, you guys listen to it. You know, it, it's the, the, I try to make the show as representative of me as I can because uh, these are the things that I love and things I want to talk about. So it, it, it came out recently. There was an oral history done on Sam Raimi's Darkman movie. How cool is this? Do you guys remember Darkman? It came out at a time when there were no superhero movies happening. It was, it was, you know, Batman had come out in 89. And so some movie studios were kind of uh, inspired to try and do superhero movies. But no one ever did them right. You know, the 90s is, is a lot of ups and downs, a lot of bumps in the road on the way to what we would eventually get in the early 2000s. Uh, so Darkman came out in 1990. It was it was Sam Raimi wanted to, he initially had wanted to do uh, his, he he initially wanted the film rights to do a movie of The Shadow, which would go which he found out someone had out had film rights to it, and then we would in 1994 we would see the Alec Baldwin The Shadow movie directed by Russell Mulcahy, and Sam that wasn't going to deter Sam. Sam wanted to make a movie of The Shadow ish, and so he created Darkman. He and his uh, co-producer, Robert Tappert, and, and his usual cast of characters went about filming a superhero movie in a time when, other than Batman, there were no superhero movies. And they cast a relatively unknown, at that point, Liam Neeson as their title character, the man who would become Darkman. And if you haven't seen Darkman, or maybe it's been a long time, I do highly recommend revisiting it. It's a really fun movie, even to this day. It has that, 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 that wonderful Sam Raimi... Uh, a sense of, of style and personality to it that uh, that permeates many of his early pictures. And uh, um, it's just a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And it's come out through this oral history uh, via, via via Robert Tappert particularly uh, that Universal, the, the, the studio that was uh, releasing the picture and was paying the bills for it and stuff like that, uh, apparently they were at odds for much of this production with Sam Raimi, particularly when they were trying to cut the film together and they were doing test screenings and, you know, Universal was recutting the movie constantly, trying to get better and better test scores for test audience because they wanted this movie to be like some kind of huge mega blockbuster or whatever. Uh, but apparently every cut Universal made after Raimi's initial cut just was lower and lower and lower on the test scores. And eventually Universal just became convinced that the movie was a turd and they were going to just like, you know what, just send it to print, whatever, we're done with this. And that's sort of what Tappert and Raimi and, and, and another editor who Raimi had brought on later on uh, said. But then they went and recut the movie themselves over a weekend and locked it themselves before Universal could find out what they did. And then they, then they released it. And by the time Universal had found out, the prints of the film had been made, they were canned up, ready to ship out to movie theaters across the country. So... A, a bit of chicanery on the part of Robert Tappert to to recut the Darkman movie just hours before its initial press screenings, and and um, I again I think Darkman is a wonderfully underrated film. Uh, it's not surprising to hear that a, a studio like Universal uh, lost support for it in a, in a relatively quick amount of time. Uh, Universal not known for making some of the better decisions. I mean, look what they did with Mallrats. I mean, Mallrats is a pretty damn funny movie, uh, and they tried to murder that movie. They tried to rip it apart into a thousand little pieces. Uh, 
but the fans came together to keep that together to keep to keep that alive. Now we find out that Robert Tappert had to go behind the scenes, make things happen, you know, behind Universal's back to make the movie that many people, myself included, uh, are 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 a big fan of. Uh, like again, Darkman is a movie that stands out for what it was at the time, which is a rare superhero movie in a sea of uh, in a sea of not superhero movies at all. I mean, it, we were still in the in the throes of or the heights of Schwarzenegger and Stallone and, and those kind of big, over-the-top action films. And this was a much smaller production, uh, you know, very action-oriented still, but with strong horror elements because it's Sam Raimi. And, again, I encourage you, revisit Darkman. It's it's a fun time. A very young Liam Neeson in the role, doing all kinds of cool things, breaking fingers and, and breaking a lot more than that at the same time. Uh, it's, a, it's a good picture. Sam Raimi, one of his, I think one of his underrated movies. Apparently Sam Raimi, though, still a bit burned by the whole experience on Darkman. And the pun's not intended for those who have seen the movie. The burn pun is not intended. Because uh, he didn't want to participate in the oral history. And I think it's because, uh, according to Tappert, like, he, he would be embarrassed to, to know that the story about what they had to do to get that cut of the film made. Uh, he would be a little embarrassed to have that out in public. But Tappert doesn't care anymore. <laughs> he said it's been long enough. So he shared the story, and I thought it was, a, a, like I said, a fun little nugget to share with you guys, guys and gals out there. Again, check out Darkman. I'm sure it's readily available. I mean, it's only been since 1990. He's got to be on some platform to watch for free by now. So a very cool nugget indeed. All right, so now we get to like to some big stuff. Some big stuff that happened today. All right, we'll start with the... We're kind of going chronological order to the best of my ability here, all right? I start with a great article that made its way around the internet today about how Wonder Woman 1984, we get to see the Amazon Olympics. That's right. I think this is gonna be a really cool thing. This is a great article. It's in the in the articles. They're circling around the internet, but I'll make sure to share it on Twitter with you guys. Um, apparently, this is something that, that Patty Jenkins really wanted to do in the first film, but didn't have the chance or the opportunity because of that the the confines of that story. But if you are a Wonder Woman fan and you, and you know the mythology of the character. You know, Diana secretly competes in the Amazonian Olympics, and that's how she earns the lasso, the lasso of truth in the original mythology. So this was sort of a, a, a comeuppance, in a sense, because Patty wanted to do this so badly. And then the script for 1984, like she was like, I can work this in there. And it's going to be via flashback. So we're going we're gonna to see young Diana again participating in the... Uh, Amazonian Olympics, which if you've seen the little bits of snippets that are kind of circling around from some of the, some of the promo material that's been released recently, they look pretty fucking intense. Like these Amazons are no joke. I mean, we saw how they fight in the first film. So their training regimen has to be pretty badass. And uh, I think we're going to get to see that a little bit more as, as, um, as we get closer to this movie coming out, because it's coming out. I mean, the plan right now is October, October 2nd, 2020. And again, I'm excited. We've talked about Wonder Woman uh, a lot as as we kind of are gearing up towards things, and 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 more stuffs coming out, more interviews are coming out, and a lot of press is coming out because there was a big press thing where the, where the media got to go on set. So all these interviews are coming out now. We're we're kind of getting a, a deluge of information ahead of DC fandom for Wonder Woman, and it's great. A lot of it's really really fascinating, interesting stuff, and. You know, it's not just 1984. It's, remember, it's not just because it's going to be set in the 80s and it's going to be big hairdos and puffy shoulder pads. A lot of metaphor. A lot of more. A lot of metaphor to think about. And think about also 1984, the Olympics in Los Angeles. Flashbacks to the Olympics 
that she grew up in Themyscira. There's a lot going to be happening in this picture. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, subtext going on. And I think it's going to be a really fun time. All right, so that was the first thing I saw this morning. Then the next thing I saw this morning, all right? The next thing I saw this morning. Matt Reeves, and then very nearly followed by Jim Lee himself, revealed not just only this new Batman logo for the Batman, but a piece of Jim Lee art that depicts the new costume for the film as well. And it's a lovely Jim Lee drawing. Lots of red, lots of black. Now, the red's not on the costume. The red's just the backdrop. It's this shading element for the costume. Head over to Matt Reeves' Twitter. Head over to Jim Lee's Twitter. It's making its way around the internet with rapid fire pace. Uh, if you want to see what this costume looks like. Now, sure, it's, you know, you're not seeing Pattinson in it himself. But this is our best indication of what the costume looks like to this point. And I think that's really, really cool. And it's, it's always good to look at Jim Lee art. Jim Lee is a fucking master. And uh, his, you know, I don't always agree with some of his costume design. But I have to say, I, this is a very striking Batman costume. It's, it's uh, different from some of the other elements, other elements, other costumes we've seen in the movies thus far, uh, particularly around the gauntlets. I'm very curious what some of this gauntlet stuff is going to end up being. You know, we speculated before in the podcast about the new uh, Batman logo on his chest, about its, its functionality. And, uh, you know, we have the cowl where it looks like he'll be able to turn his head. The cape has more got a more up-on-the-shoulders look to it. Again, it looks very striking, but it looks very Batman as well. It's it's different, it's unique, but it's Batman. So I think that's very, very cool. And then obviously the Batman logo that Matt Reeves released. Hey, guess what? It says the Batman and there's a bat in it. <laughs> we didn't really break the mold on that one, but it, again, it it's its look is in line with what we're seeing here from this Jim Lee art that's been released. And I think that's very, very cool. So... Again, just to kind of foreshadow something that we're going to talk about in a minute here. You know, we're getting this Wonder Woman stuff right now. And we're getting this Batman stuff right now. And in case you've forgotten, this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, DC Fandom, online, all weekend, all weekend, two days. They kept saying 24 hours, but it's actually 48 hours. Now, it's not 48 hours of new content. A lot of stuff is going to be replayed over the weekend. But head over to DC Fandom. Uh, it's It's a free event. You're going to get a ton of things, and we're going to talk about more about those things. But this is, I feel like this Wonder Woman and Batman news, this is to wet your whistle because there's going to be more stuff coming out on Saturday and on Sunday. So get ready, folks. It's going to be a fun, fun, fun ride for, for fans of the DC Universe, for fans of Batman, for fans of Wonder Woman. It's going to be a lot of fun. And if you're also a fan of Batman, you may hate this news. Maybe you'll like this news. This just broke. Literally, as I was making the decision if I wanted to do a podcast or not, this happened. I was like, well, I guess I'm doing a fucking podcast. Ben Affleck, Batfleck himself, Batfleck forever, is returning to the role of Batman for the Flash movie. He's going to be one of the multiverse of Batman characters, joining Michael Keaton's beloved incarnation. What other Batman could there be in these movies? I mean, I'm I'm starting to wonder, like, how big is this going to get? How crazy is this going to get? Again, we still remember we saw Ezra, Ezra Miller's Flash pop up on the CW show when they did their multiverse event, when they did their crisis event. So, you know, Ezra Miller, despite his personal issues that have been happening, uh, which apparently he's still the Flash despite them. This movie's going forward. Andy Machete, 
Mushetti, I think I said it right, Mushetti, the guy who directed It, Chapter 1 and 2, is now on board. He's taking the reins, and, and, and we're getting some real progress, it seems like, on things happening. You know, we got the Michael Keaton news, and now we're getting news that fucking Batfleck's back. It sounded like Ben Affleck was done with Batman, dot, 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 forever, uh, when, he, when, when he decided to move on from the Matt Reeves version. Uh, when that when Matt Reeves kind of took over and they I guess they chatted and decided they wanted to do something a little different they they weren't on the same page. You can't be away from the cow for too long, can you, Ben? You love that cow. It's cozy. It's warm. And, you know, and I, it, it it makes me wonder. You know, as as I kind of open the show with, we we play that snippet of dialogue from the 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 ill begotten Justice League film, uh, famously taken away from Zack Snyder due to personal reasons, due to the, the you know the family issues that Zack was having at the time and put in the hands of Joss Whedon who made a movie and that's kind of all I can say about that um, so I, 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 I openly speculate is that part of the Snyder cut? it very much feels a part of the Whedon cut Does that gonna, is that going to go away when we finally see the Snyder cut in 2021? how much does Ben's Batman change in Justice League when we finally see the Snyder cut? and with the announcement of the Snyder Cut, of Zack's reinvolvement in Justice League, in uh, kind of re- remolding that movie into what the original vision was, did that maybe get Ben back and invo- get him fired up to be Batman again to some extent? Maybe he was soured by the process of working with Joss Whedon. You know, I don't know for sure. You know, it, it's come out uh, that that Joss didn't have the best of sets. That, that there was a lot of animosity and hostility on the, on the set, uh, particularly towards the actors themselves. Uh, and, and it's not a good thing. That's not a good thing that's coming out. You know, Joss Whedon has been uh, m- much maligned recently for, for some of the stories that have started surfacing about what went on on his Justice League set. And I, 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 I cannot help but wonder, can't help but speculate, does Snyder's reinvolvement, does this Snyder cut inspire... Ben Affleck to return to the Cape and Cowl. So again, something to think about as as we kind of roll into this weekend for DC fandom. What more news will we hear about The Flash? Because there is a, a panel scheduled. So, I've, I've been teasing DC fandom a lot, haven't I? Yeah. Oh, I wonder why. Interesting. Interesting. So, one more bit of DC news, because it has come out in the light of what we talked about last week on the show. Roger and I talked about the unfortunate news that since the merger of AT&T and Warner Brothers, uh, some things have been reevaluated, and uh, there are some massive layoffs across the board with DC, Warner Brothers, all, all that stuff. You know, big layoffs, particularly in the comic book side of the field. I think it was something around 20-25% of the staff of DC Comics was laid off. So... Jim Lee has come out. He's he's kind of addressed the 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 the, the elephant in the room, so to speak. Uh, when when, in in, it's the best way to put it. He he wanted to reconfirm or to, to, that DC Comics is still committed to the business of publishing and making comic books and comic book content. Uh, he did admit that there may be a shrinking of the line of comics that they are currently publishing, uh, which to which I say uh, bravo because. Uh, both DC and Marvel are publishing way too many fucking comic books. Who the hell has that kind of money these days? Like, comic books are roughly four bucks a pop? Five? Fuck off. I can't read all your books. I can't even try. Uh, a shrinking of the line can only be a good thing in, in regards to that. So, uh, bravo. 
on that end of things. It's unfortunate, again, those people lost their jobs. That's not cool. But the comic book industry is, in a, again, once again, is in a place of, of shrinking returns. And, and, you know, you kind of got to, I guess, cinch those belts is the best way to say it. Because uh, we want to see comic books continue to do things. But, again, something we've said on the show before, too. DC and Marvel are, are both guilty of this. Uh, we need to get creators into these comic books who will be willing to innovate for the characters. Uh, and instead, it seems like the overlords of each company, of DC and of Marvel, i.e. Disney and i.e. Uh, AT&T, are just interested in treating them as, as intellectual properties that can be licensed in various formats and various uh, uh, different ways for various revenue streams. And no one really seems to be all that interested in, in pushing the boundaries of what a comic book can be anymore within DC and Marvel. Again, there are um, some amazing comic books being published through smaller press. But DC and Marvel have, have kind of reached this, this point of stagnation where... You can't do anything too crazy because then we can't sell this as something that people will understand in multiple formats, whether it's video games and animation and cartoons and TVs and lunchboxes and T-shirts. You know, it, it's it's all about uh, a familiarity of a process of a product, so you can you can capitalize and commercialize all of it. Which you know, these characters are became part of the fabric of of not only America but of the world because. They told stories that transcended everything. They told stories that pushed boundaries across multiple spectrums, multiple genres. They, they challenged the institutions of the times. And, and we don't get that anymore. You know, it, again, every time something dramatic happens, every time something shocking happens in the comic book, we all know it's not permanent. We all know it won't last uh, because you have to reset the norm so that when the next movie comes out or the next cartoon comes out, it's something that people can understand and, and be like, oh, that's this guy from this thing or this woman from this thing. And you, that, that they, they mistakenly call that synergy and instead is boring. So while, while it's cool that DC has come out and Jim Lee has come out and said that DC is committed to publishing comic books, I would ask that uh, DC be committed to publishing good comic books and pushing boundaries again like they used to. Uh, to me, DC in particular, I, I direct this directly at DC, though it can easily be turned on Marvel too. Do better. Be better at, at what you're doing because um, it, it's few and far between when I read a good book from DC and when I'm reading a good book from Marvel. It's, uh, it's The heyday seems to be... We seem to not be in that... I, the heyday obviously refers to the past, but we seem to be very far from it right now. We seem to be in a bit of a lull. And I don't know what it will take to kind of get back to being able to have comic books that are uh, progressive and interesting and exciting in ways that we hadn't thought about. Because the format, the genre, is open to all these things. But it seems like now that the corporate element is so firmly entrenched at Marvel and DC that we no longer get those, those surges of creativity. And in fact, we get many of the most creative creators... Uh, not wanting to work for Marvel and DC because they're like, you know what, I'm going to go do my own thing over here and not have to worry about uh, the IP, the intellectual property aspect of the character, you know? Uh, 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 we talked about, when we talked about the old guard, we talked about, you know, Rucka got, got cut his teeth writing comic books, writing Detective Comics and writing Batman and all those characters from that wonderful Batman universe of characters. 
and 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 eventually he he worked his way across the entire DC universe and then over into Marvel and played in their in their sandbox for a little bit too. And now it's few and far between when he goes to work for those companies because he knows how shitty it is, and that you know he can tell his story, but he knows that it doesn't make an impact the way that it used to because it's going to be it's much like much content these days it's it's all disposable and quickly replaced by the new shiny bright thing and we we have to somehow figure out how to make sure that that comic books uh, don't just become completely disposable material you know and that's a heavy, that's a heady topic i apologize that's just my little soapbox because i love comic books so very very much um and, and you know i hope one day that we can have like a an industry industry insider an industry expert on and we can have a a real dialogue about the state of comic books and and uh, what's going on, you know, not just at Marvel and DC, but like, let's talk about some of those cool small press books like Saga, like, um, like what's going on over, over at Image with Lazarus and an old guard and, and the Miller World book, Miller World books, excuse me. Anyways, that's a long winded way of saying like, Hey, guess what? This weekend is DC fandom. So if you do like the comic books and you do like the cartoons and you do like the movies, uh, head over to your computer this weekend because there's gonna be a lot of stuff going on. If you're if you're stuck at home, if you if you if you're living that pandemic isolated lifestyle, uh, this is the weekend for you where you can crush all kinds of content. Uh, if you head over to dcfandom.com, it's all there. It's all lined up. You have it's even broken into categories. You have the Holly Heroes, the Watchverse, the Kidsverse. The Watchverse is like TV stuff. Kidsverse is for kids. You versus you know cosplay stuff, fun versus games, and the Insiderverse, which I guess is for insiders. But the Holly Heroes. And the watch versus kind of like where we're, where we're spending a lot of our time right now. So I wanted to mention some of the panels that you can watch online. And by the way, they, these are all like really reasonably uh, length panels, you know, 20, 30 minutes, you know, for, for many of them. So like they're not going to take up uh, just hours and hours of your weekend. I mean, let's, let's pretend you have stuff going on. <laughs> let's pretend there's other things to do than just sit around and watch the Internet all day. You have the Wonder Woman 1984 panel on Saturday, 10 a.m. I'm assuming that's 10 a.m. my time. So probably, if you're on the East Coast, 1, 1 p.m. That's my guess. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's like 7 a.m. my time. I don't know. It's unclear. <laughs> Let's pretend it's my time. I'm here in California, so wherever you are, adjust accordingly, okay? You also have the Warner Brothers game, Warner Brothers Games Montreal announcement. I assume this will be... The Court of Owls Batman video game. We will see. There's a Sandman panel. There's an Introducing the Flash panel. There's a Batman Beyond panel with Batman Beyond, Terry McGinnis, and Old Man Bruce uh, encountering a Batman 66 transmission. <laughs> Sounds interesting, but the, the, a couple of these are like just little five-minute things. So like they're easy to watch. The Suicide Squad panel. That's when we're very interested in on this on this podcast. Uh, we're very excited to see James Gunn's Suicide Squad. The, the new iteration of Task Force X, a, a nice 30-minute panel on Saturday. It's, it's scheduled for 11.55. Again, I assume that is West Coast time. Like I see the Bat panel. There's a badass females of color within the DC Universe panel. Oh, hey, look at this. Chris Daughtry performance. That's for all, all, all the cool kids. There's going to be a Joker panel. DC uh, Jim Lee portfolio review. A Batman behind the voices. Oh, I'm sorry, the voices behind the cowl panel. There's a Justice League Snyder Cut panel. Flash TV show panel, Flash movie panel, it's a Black Adam panel, Titans, Aquaman, there's an Ask Harley Quinn, because I love that show, Wonder Woman's 80th Celebration panel, Shazam panel, 
Suicide Squad, kill the Justice League video game panel. Come on. That game's going to be amazing. And then a, a lot of the, the panels are being encored throughout the day as well. And then on Sunday as well. And that's just kind of like tip of the iceberg stuff. That's just me reading what's on Hall of Heroes. We didn't even get into Watch Versus, which is going to be, you know, again, more TV-centric stuff. The Batman-Joker War. Batman 3 Jokers comic book that's coming out soon. Batwoman, Black Lightning. A lot of the CW shows are going to have panels on Saturday on the Watchverse uh, at, tab, I guess. <laughs> you have Legends of Tomorrow, Stargirl, the Deathstroke animated movie is going to be on here. It's going to be a ton of stuff, so if you are into any of this stuff in the least, you're going to have a good time over at DC Fandom. Uh, I've already talked to Roger about Fandom. I, I will be at work for a, a good chunk of Saturday, but I'm hoping to catch several of these replays, and I think I get it home. I think I will be home in time to watch the... Snyder Cut panel, which I'm very, very intrigued by, curious about. Uh, so I wanted to mention this to you guys. I'm going to get this podcast out like, right after I record this. It's dropping today, so I hope you listen to it in time to know the DC fandom is happening on Saturday. It sounds like a really big deal. Uh, I could also go into the concerns I have about more panels, like more conventions happening like this in the future. Like, Will, will San Diego Comic-Con be destroyed because all these companies want to launch their own conventions now? That's a whole different thing. Let's just assume this is this is based on the pandemic and the fact that people can't go anywhere. Let's just hope that it's in that vein and that this is not the end of actual comic book conventions as we know them. It never will be. It'll just, it might just go back to being in, in, in smaller ballrooms and hotel lobbies or whatever. That's fine. I'm okay with that too. Anyways, we're going to have a big show on Monday. We're going to review, recap a lot of the stuff that happened at DC Fandom, a lot of the announcements, a lot of the material that's being shown uh, I can't wait to kind of su- like si- uh, uh, sift through all of the information that that is bound to come out at this at this online convention over the weekend. And I hope you guys are uh, at the very least curious to check it out. Again, if you're at home on Saturday or Sunday, what else are you gonna do? Well, all right, I guess you can watch the hockey games or the basketball games or the baseball games. <laughs> but if you have a laptop in front of you, you could do this too, and that's the cool part about it. Uh, so. Yeah, it's 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 a big weekend as far as the the comic book pop culture landscape looks. And then when I say comic book, I also mean like the, I just mean the characters. I mean the TV shows and the movies and the cartoons and the video games. I mean this fandom is going to cover. If if you have a particular itch you need scratch, I think DC fandom is going to cover it for you this weekend. And again, we're going to be there to uh, recap it all on Monday. So a very exciting exciting show heading your way if you happen to miss anything or uh, if you if there's something you see or hear at DC Fandom that uh, uh, catches your interest or, or piques your curiosity, hit us up. Hit us up. Hit me and Roger up. Because like, like I said, we have it planned. We're doing we're doing a wrap-up show for DC Fandom. So if something catches your interest and you want to know more about it or if you want to sound off about it yourself and we'll share it on the show and we'll have a discussion based on what you say, we can do all that too, all right? Uh, and there it is, folks. That's going to be the show for the day. I, I thought it'd be a little bit shorter than it is. I guess I still came in under an hour, but we'll see how much I babble during the wrap-up. <laughs> Anyways, listen, I hope everyone is doing uh, what you're supposed to be doing right now. I hope you're staying uh, safe. You're, you're still maintaining your social distance. You're still wearing masks when you out in public. I know we're all sick of it. I know we're all tired of it. It's the middle of August. We're getting ready for the fall, but... It's more important than ever. It's more important now than ever that we keep maintaining the things that we're doing: the washing of the hands, the six feet distance, the masks, 
we're getting ready to head into flu season. And that's when they're expecting this to, to, to ramp up again. Wear those masks. Wash those hands. Stay away from people when you can. Stay at home when you can. Uh, let's let's try to get make it through uh, cough and cold season as best as we can. And uh, if I'm assuming they're they're still doing flu shots, so if you can get those and get that out of the way, that's one less thing you have to worry about. So uh, uh, flu shots this season too, if you can. Um, I don't want to get into a debate with anyone who is not interested in vaccines and all that stuff. If that's your if that's your prerogative, that's your prerogative. But I'm. Uh, we're not on the same page, and that's just that, okay? Otherwise, thank you for downloading, listening, and always supporting this podcast. It means the world to me. It, you touch me deep in my heart every time I see that little download button clicked. Uh, make sure you're liking the show, subscribing to the show, sharing the show with all your dear sweet friends who can only be enriched by my sweet dulcet vocal tones. Thank you to my, my current members of Pophead Nation. Thank you to the Aspen Hill Chody, the Batman at Bay Park, Mr. Jeff Nail, co-host of the Ringing Ear Podcast, Thank you to Evil Circle, the evilest of all the circles, the Squid Master General himself, Mr. Brian Broussard, who, Brian, I will have to talk to you and see if you still want to be the Squid Master General, because it sounds like Watchmen may not be coming back. <laughs> so I don't know if you still want to be the Squid Master General or not. And uh, our dear sweet, the New Jersey Devil himself, my, 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 my main man, Mark Wegemer. Thank you for being Patreons. And again, like the show, subscribe to the show. Write those five-star reviews. They go a long way to getting out the word about what small little podcasts like us are up to. So we're the, we're the, we're the podcast that need five-star reviews, not Joe Rogan. He has enough. He's going to be super rich next year. Did you know that? I'm not. <laughs> so give me the five-star reviews. I appreciate it so very, very much. And with that being said, again, this has been Issue 109 of the TomCast Podcast. I thank you so much for listening. I will talk to you guys on Monday. Ciao, babes. This is no man's land, Diana. It means no man can cross it, all right? This battalion has been here for nearly a year, and they, they barely gained an inch. All right, because on the other side, there are a bunch of Germans pointing machine guns at every square inch of this place. This is not something you can cross. It's not possible. So what? So we do nothing? No, we, do, we are doing something. We are. We just... We can't save everyone in this war. This is not what we came here to do. It's what I'm going to do. We're not going to be fucking sunk this year! We're the Stanley Cup champions!